podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Andy Mitz with me today. Obviously, we didn't record on Monday. Uh, not on purpose. Uh, you can call it technical issues. You can call it uh, sleep-deprived baby brain. Whatever you want to call it. We, uh, we tried to record on Sunday uh, before the announcement on Monday. Try to give our thoughts and predictions. Uh, we tried to record. It didn't go correctly. But, uh, but here we are now that we actually know something about what the Big 12 plans to do this season. And any that's where I want to start with uh, the announcement on Monday night. What we know thus far, the Big 12 will go with a 9 plus 1, a 9 conference game schedule plus a non-conference game for all 10 teams. Um, no formal start date, but it is expected that the conference play will start mid to late September, i.e. either September, 26th, or September 19th or September 26th. And according to the athletic article, uh, written by Max Olson and Nicole Auerbach. There's a possibility that some schools start conference play on the 19th and some do the 26th. Uh, and then that non-conference game will be played some point before then. That will probably be determined by uh, each individual team. Now that we know the 9 plus 1, um, what were your thoughts on that decision? Well, first, I'm going to say I think it was divine intervention that we didn't actually get to put that episode out because I know I would have looked completely foolish with some of my thoughts about what the Big 12 was going to do. So... <laughs> Um, but one of the things that we had kind of talked about there uh, in that discussion that nobody will ever hear uh, <laughs> was about the way that they were going to kind of shift things around, um, how they might have to move games. And I, I mean, it becomes, I think, fairly clear that the Kansas and Baylor game is going to move back from the 12th. Um, and like the way that they're doing the scheduling, I think it makes sense to to get it set up so that there's enough of a gap so that between the non-conference and the conference schedule that they have a break. Um, so that way, if there is anyone who comes into contact with something that they, you know, don't want to bring into the rest of the conference, you know, like having two weeks between your non-conference game and your first Big 12 game makes a whole lot of sense. So like like Kansas was originally scheduled to have 
a game on the 29th. Um, they, that is probably now not going to happen. And I, I don't know if it's because they're being forced to by the way that this is set up. I didn't see anything in the, in the announcement saying, you know, that, that, uh, that, that the non-conference game had to be in week one or week two. Um, but I would imagine that that is probably why they would potentially stagger the starts was so that teams that have their non their one non-conference game that is going to be scheduled for the 12th, that they can start on the 26th and the teams that have their one, one non-conference game on the 5th could start on the 19th or something to that effect. Um, and, you know, that wouldn't be a hard and fast rule, I wouldn't think, but it would definitely give them that opportunity to really kind of be looking at giving that extra buffer to lessen the chance that something gets brought from some sort of exposure to teams outside the conference um, into the, you know, quasi bubble of the big 12 conference once they start only playing each other. So um, I do think it's, I mean, it's not what I probably would have thought they would do. Um, I thought that they, you know, given some of the discussions they had, I thought they were going to be a bigger push for the 12. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that it, it was, there was definitely had their mind made up for them somewhat by what everyone else did going to the, the either conference only um, or conference plus one, it just made a lot of sense for them to kind of, you know, as much as we want to talk about how the conferences are independent of each other and they all get to make their own decisions. I think it's pretty clear now that when one of the major conferences makes a decision that everyone else is going to fall online. It just depends on how long they put up a fight. Yeah. I think the nine plus one seemed like the most obvious. Um, you want to get 10 games at games and that's, that's how many pack 12 big 10 SEC are going to play. ACC is doing the 10 plus one though. I, I'm still curious if they'll stick to that since it was supposed to be, so they could do things with the SEC. Anyways, um, the 9 plus 1 made a lot of sense. I think it's the smart move. Um, and the point that I think is really good about this is, you know, like the SEC is going to start their conference play on September 26th. That means that that is when they will play their 10 games. For the Big 12 to start conference play on the 26th or even the week before means that they are allowing themselves more wiggle room to play and get as many games as possible. Um their their TV contract basically requires 57 games. If they get everyone to play um, all the games on the schedule, um, they will get very, very, very close to that. So obviously um, allowing teams wiggle room to get as many games in as possible is, is the goal here. To the point of, of getting your non-conference games out early, uh, and we'll talk about OU here in a minute because we're going we're gonna to really focus on these plus ones that, that intrigue me. Uh, Toby Rowland. Uh, who uh, who covers Oklahoma? Uh, he's the voice of the Sooners. Uh, he had a tweet out uh, yeah on on Monday, basically stating that he he was told that um, OU wants to play their non conference game two weeks prior to the Big Twelve start date. So if the Big Twelve starts on the nineteenth, they'll play their opener on on the fifth. Uh, if the Big Twelve starts on the twenty sixth, they'll start their they'll play their opener or whoever on the twelfth. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think it makes a lot of sense to play your non-conference game, and then give yourselves a two-week buffer. My big thing with the argument for starting your conference play and starting your season later was to see what the NFL did. And I don't know that I... At this point, between the NBA, MLB, uh, NHL is coming back, Major League Soccer, what's happening overseas in in Europe, and and so on and so forth with sports, I don't know what the NFL is going to tell us that that we haven't already learned. Now, I'm not saying that they, they can't learn some things, but to me... I think we've learned at this point, if we're going to have football in the fall, you have to have good protocols and you have to try and follow those protocols. I mean, I, and so I think you can learn more by 
playing a game, preparing for a game and actually having one, and then giving yourselves two weeks to kind of figure out how to handle that after it happens um, more than let's just see what every, what happens with the professional leagues. Cause there's only so much you can learn because they're able to operate so much differently than, than the college teams do. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that the NFL is seems to be trending towards that could potentially work well in some fashion. I, I I don't know how they would jump through all the logistics of it, but there are actually several NFL teams right now that are talking about setting up their own mini bubbles uh, where like the teams would essentially not, not really quarantine, but try to be a bubble as much as possible in like a hotel in their home city. Um, like there's, there's actually been rumblings about the NFL might help coordinate getting like mini bubbles set up for visiting teams in a single hotel in, you know, wherever they're supposed to be going, those sorts of things. So like it, that, I don't know is feasible though for a, uh, a college program, because no, unless the NCAA not. is going to give waivers in terms of the benefits they're allowed to give them and the things that they're allowed to do for them, like trying to quarantine everybody in a single location and provide all their meals and provide everything for them, like everything for them. Um, I feel like that would have to be, there would have to be some sort of extra benefit violations or, or room for there to be issues if certain teams did it one way and, you know, gave them extra things like that's rife. I think for, for all kinds of shenanigans to go on um, for what's supposed to be amateur programs. And of course, just the idea of putting, you know, students in, or putting athletes into a quarantine and trying to bring back all of their student body anyway, like it kind of defeats the purpose of the, what they're trying to say their priorities are, um, and really kind of lays bare just how, I mean, not, not that it hasn't already, but lays bare the fact that these are, you know, economic, like this is the economic engine and, you know, treating those students separately just to make sure that they can get those games in, I don't think is going to fly for anyone. Um, but that's like the only thing that they could potentially learn was like how to, how to minimize that exposure. Well, the only way to really minimize exposure is to sequester those, those athletes and everybody that's kind of involved in that process. And that's just not going to work. I don't want to talk about what's going on in the big 10 because it makes me scared that we aren't going to have football till spring. So let's stick with fall. Let's stick, let's just operate from here on out in this podcast that things are going to go the way that we hope they go right now. Um, and that we're going to get 10 games. So the, the, the interesting thing to me now, besides when are the start dates and will how will the Big 12 schedule itself change as far as do we see any differences as to who faces who when is this plus one and, and I want you and I to kind of predict who these plus ones are going to be for everybody uh, we we had a, a graphic I posted on the Twitter account 1012 podcast te and the number 12 podcast and on the Instagram account uh, ten12pod with our predictions on Monday before they had announced the nine plus one, some of those I still stand by. Some of those ignore them because they've already been uh, negated. So here's what I want you and I to do. I'm going to go in order of the ones I feel most confident in predicting. Um, I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree, if you have another option. Um, and I'm going to start with the one I feel the most confident in, and it is Oklahoma. Um, obviously, the Tennessee game was canceled by the SEC. Um, it's already been announced that the game at Army has been canceled and will be rescheduled. That leaves Missouri State. And I've thought all along Missouri State was going to be the team that Oklahoma faced for a couple of reasons. One, um, Missouri State's basically doing, as I have seen reported, everything in their power to not only make sure that this game happens, but work with Oklahoma to do whatever Oklahoma needs as far as making sure that uh, their protocols match what Oklahoma wants. Um, being convenient to if this game has to be moved. I, I, I at this point, Missouri State I think has a game on the twelfth, but if you are on the on the yeah on September 
twelfth. Uh, but if you think that means they won't figure out a way to move it, I'm, I'm sure they will. Uh, the other thing is this is OU's pay-per-view game. Uh, this is their tier three rights. They get all the money from this game. And I have, I wish I could remember who to quote for this, and I wish I could give them credit, and I don't remember. But I have seen the number as this game brings in anywhere from three to seven million all by itself. And my guess is people are going to be so crazy. desperate for OU football that this mon- game is going to make them Buku's a, a good chunk of change, right? So you're going to keep this as your one non-conference game, I think. I, I think that's that's it makes the most sense here for that to be the game. It's the only game they have left scheduled um, that hasn't been canceled. And I think that's the right, the right one for them. Yeah, I mean, it's the only one it's the only one they have like they would have to go find another opponent. And that's not I mean, while I'm sure that there's plenty of people that would take their call, like the logistics of trying to plan another one at this point, when you have one on the schedule, I don't think one that looks good. I don't think it's something that a headache that anyone really wants to deal with. And if what you're saying is true, that like this is their pay-per-view game. So like that that in of itself, I think is a kind of an issue because it doesn't contribute to the to the TV deals. Um, and so like the entire point of having the non-conference in the first place is, I mean, there's, there's really two main points is to, is to try to get as close to that TV quota that they, that they can. Uh, but then also to kind of try to put them on equal footing so that if there is a, 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 uh, you know, college football playoff this year that you have the 10 data points plus whoever, you know, whatever that conference championship data point is as well. So like it's to try to get on equal footing there. And, you know, this obviously doesn't help with that if it's a pay-per-view game uh, in terms of the, the the TV requirements. But I don't think the conference wants to tell their most powerful member that you need to go find another game other than the one that you have scheduled because we need the one extra game to get us as close as possible to our TV quota. So, yeah, I mean, I... I don't I don't think there's going to be a big fuss. I think that that's going to be it. Um, you know, there is definitely room for them to just move it right back to 9-5, which is what, like to September 5th when it was originally scheduled. Because if you remember, they had moved this game up to the 29th um, because they had that waiver. I don't know if it was because they wanted to get on campus earlier or they were trying to give them that extra week to try to, you know, space out as much as possible the games that they did have. But, you know, as it stands right now, like that 9-5 date is open. For, for both sides so like they could easily slot it back into that one if they really wanted to if they didn't want to have this in the week zero still but i haven't seen anything saying that they can't have it in week zero so it may go on as it's currently scheduled roland mentions that uh, he says OU will now most, most certainly not open the season on august 29th but the article that max olson and nicole arbach wrote mentioned that there are four big 12 teams who plan to play a week zero game as of now so i don't know I don't know about that. I don't know. If, if OU is sticking with two weeks ahead of, then it probably won't be week zero unless they're going to have the season start on, on September 12th, which seems highly unlikely. No, I, I don't think that's likely at all gap, because, so. I mean, unless, unless they would have it start then because they want Kansas and Baylor to keep their, their currently you know scheduled game on the 12th. But I, I don't think that's likely at all. No, I, again, that's the other reason. That's another one where I think the whole schedule is going to change, but we'll see. Uh, okay, so let's move this along. Uh, next one I feel most confident about, your team Kansas, who who has lost their games against New Hampshire, uh, Boston College, and at Coastal Carolina. That leaves the FCS team that they scheduled to replace New Hampshire, Southern Illinois, who is currently scheduled for Week 0. But my guess is, and I haven't gone over Southern Illinois' schedule, but my guess is that's the opponent they're going to stick with. It makes sense for Kansas to stick with an FCS game. I don't mean that to be mean, but I think they just need a game and they need an opportunity to get out there and play and and, and get a win and feel good this year. Uh, I think it's going to be tough playing a conference-only schedule for Kansas. I mean, I, they're going to play all those games anyways, but it's it's just very different. Um, 
And I, it feels like FCS opponent, Southern Illinois makes a lot of sense. I, I get the feeling that's the game they're going to stick with. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting because Kansas, while, you know, like Pete Thamel is reporting that Kansas is unlikely to keep that in week zero. Um, but they're going to make a decision this week because if you look at Southern Illinois' schedule, like the only hole that they have is on the 12th. And so, uh, which Kansas doesn't currently have. Obviously, if the Big 12 changes it, you know, takes that game off of the 12th, says we're not starting anything until the 19th or the 26th, you know, Kansas could potentially be one of those candidates for like, they move that game on the 12th to whatever date. And then Kansas slots this now and they have a, an open date with Southern Illinois to do that on September 12th. But I also wouldn't be surprised if KU just says, look, you know, no one's telling us we can't do it on week zero. Let's do it. Let's, you know, figure out, like take, take an early look at our team and figure out what we can change and then get those extra weeks to really just work on what we can work on with our self-scouting, you know, even though it's a very limited kind of, uh, you know, actual action that they have that they can look at. Like I, I could, I could easily see this team deciding, let's just keep it on, on the 29th. Let's go ahead and start in week zero. We'll have a whole bunch of people watching us because we'll be one of like three games that's on. So that will help out in getting eyeballs on the team. And, you know, hopefully we go out and we beat an FCS team quite handily, build a lot of positive momentum and then have a bunch of time to work on the problems that we do see. So like, I, I think they could keep it the same date. I, if they're going to move it, like unless Southern Illinois can find a way to move their currently scheduled game on the third, like, I just don't see how they could keep that game without moving it back to the 12th or keeping it right where it's at. I think they're going to be more week zero games because more G5 schools are going to move their games up. Um, and I think more have continued SMU, Texas State has moved a game up to their, um, so I, you're going to see more games move to week zero by the G5 so that they can try and, and fit more games in. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, that, that just, I, for Kansas, that, that, that seems most obvious. Uh, next one, I have seen some rumblings, and I believe Brian Davis was one of the ones that, that mentioned this, uh, that of Texas's options, because they still have South Florida and they still have UTEP. UTEP is the most likely one, and that's the one we picked um, as well. For a couple of reasons. First off, UTEP is in the state. It makes a lot of sense to play and stay a team in your own state. Uh, so as opposed to bring a team from out of state, especially a state like Florida, that has been something of a hot spot. Um, so playing a team in state, that game is scheduled for the 19th. That makes a lot of sense. So if if the Big 12 is allowing wiggle room as to when your conference season starts, uh, they could play that game on the 19th and then start conference play the following week. Um, they could also, I'm trying to see what UTEP health has as far as open it. They don't have any other open dates. Uh, well, no, cause Texas tech won't be coming. So in theory, they could maybe move that game up to September 5th. Uh, if they wanted to have more wiggle room there, right. since that Texas tech game is not going to happen unless they decide that they want to go to Texas tech. And I don't see that happening. So, uh, and we'll get to Texas tech here in a minute, but UTEP to me is the one that I feel most confident is likely to be, uh, Texas's non-conference opponent. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that I think that Texas Tech might try to sweeten the pot so that UTEP will come there on the fifth. But I don't think, like, if that's what happens, I don't think that would preclude Texas from playing them two weeks later. So uh, I do think that UTEP is the most likely spot for for Texas. Um, I mean, and, and for all the reasons that you said, like, unless there's just a a huge push to make sure that you play your non-conference in, you know on the 5th or the 12th, then I think that there's enough wiggle room. And Texas, honestly, is a bigger draw. Like, I think UTEP would rather play Texas than Texas Tech. 
um, unless they're just convinced that they can beat Texas Tech this year. <laughs> like, I think I think that would be where they would prefer to play as well. And so, like, I think that makes the most sense. Um, you know, it, it could be a fallback, though. They could they could do some sort of thing where, you know, between the two schools, they they agree that that Texas Tech gets UTEP and and that uh, Texas will keep USF. But I think it's going to take something weird and off the wall like that for Texas to not be welcoming UTEP into Austin. Weird things can happen. And and again, it could be completely new teams that have been on their schedule. We'll talk about that in a minute because there's a couple teams that are, are, are in that situation. Um, but it just makes a ton of sense to keep UTEP on. Um, I, I don't think... I, maybe UTEP would be willing to go to Texas Tech. I kind of get the feeling they might not want to do that, but we'll we'll certainly see. And again, we'll talk about Texas Tech more in a minute. But Texas, I think that's the most likely unless they go. I, I just don't think South Florida makes sense right now. I don't think that's a smart move. Because um, the only one that I really feel like confident in my decision is Oklahoma State keeping their game against Tulsa. A couple of reasons for that. One, counting this season, Oklahoma State has Tulsa on the schedule 10 times in the next 12 seasons. Um, the relationship that they have established would make you think that they would be willing to reschedule this game against Tulsa, but the next time they'd really be able to do so would be 2032. Uh, Western Illinois, who is the other team still on the schedule, it's the FCS opponent, um, they could be rescheduled for 2024. And it's four years down the line. It's a lot sooner for a team to be rescheduled than it is for the other. Also, it makes, again, similar to, and you'll see a theme here, if you can play a team in your own state, it makes a whole lot more sense to me from a safety standpoint. If we're going to worry about safety, um, if that's something that's important, playing somebody who's in your own state as opposed to bringing somebody in from out of state makes a lot of sense. And Oklahoma State and Tulsa have a good relationship here. Um, I get the feeling that game is scheduled for the 12th. That fits with the um, that fits kind of with how everything is going as to whether or not conference play starts on the 19th or it starts two weeks later. Um, we'll certainly see, but that one feel, I feel pretty confident that's the game that Oklahoma state will stick with. Also, one other note on that, there's not going to be probably a lot of decent opponents as far as this plus one goes. Um, if you're Oklahoma state, the opportunity to have one of the arguably better ones is another reason to me to keep that game. Yeah. You stole my point there, Philip. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you know, (laughs) Oklahoma state has, reasonable expectations that they're going to be in the conversation for the big 12 or for, for the college football playoff, if they can win the big 12 and you know, they're going to need a stronger opponent than an FCS school in Western Illinois. If they're going to reasonably be in that conversation, especially if they don't run the table. And so, um, you know, Tulsa gives them the best opportunity. Like if they're nine and one and, and fighting for a spot there in the uh, you know, in that, in that college football playoff, you know, like they need that game against, or I guess it'd be 10 and one at that point, but they're going to need that to be a game against Tulsa as opposed to a game against Western Illinois to stand up to some of these other conference only schedules that some of the other teams are going to have. So it makes the most sense for them to try do everything they can to keep that game. And the fact that it's positioned perfectly in the schedule, you know, like right now, if, if the big 12 schedule stays the way it is, they don't have a game on the 20, on the 26th. Um, so like their opening game would be on the third against TCU. So that gives them plenty of time there. Um, to kind of get everything set up. So yeah, I, I just that that one makes absolute sense. I I would be shocked if they don't keep that Tulsa game. So now we're getting the category. I'm, I'm feeling starting to feel a little bit less. This is the let me see this. One. This is the last one I feel mostly confident in, and then we're getting to ones where I feel like I'm kind of guessing to some extent. Um, and that's Baylor. Baylor has two options left. 
uh, Incarnate Word, who is currently scheduled for the 19th, and Louisiana Tech scheduled for the 26th. Unless they can get Louisiana Tech to move up the game, you're Dave Aranda, first-time head coach. You have a first-year head coach. You've got a whole new staff in. You're trying to get things figured out. You didn't get spring ball. It makes so much sense in a season like this for you to stick with an FCS opponent. And I know this is a different than when Art Browse was here, but Baylor has a history of, of scheduling, sticking with games like this. But also, and I don't want to throw that at them because the season is so weird, but also, again, our Incarnate Word is a team in the state of Texas. You're keeping a team in Texas coming in, which, again, makes a lot of sense with everything going on right now if we're going to focus on safety. To me, the smartest move here for Baylor would be to keep that game Incarnate, Incarnate. I don't, I don't know the pronunciation. Um, now, I will say this: as far as Incarnate Word goes, um, as far as their schedule, now, no, they don't really have another hole. Like this is their hole for them. So, um, I that that makes the most sense to me is keeping that game over Louisiana Tech. I know Louisiana Tech would like to keep that game. I just I feel like this would be a smarter move for Baylor. Yeah, and the other thing going against that Louisiana Tech game is the fact that like that's probably when they want to start conference play. So unless you unless you're comfortable with Kansas and Baylor playing in week 2 and then Baylor going to play their non-conference and then coming back to play in the conference the next week, I just don't think that there's the way, you know, a way to have that happen. Louisiana Tech doesn't have a hole in their schedule. The only game they've had canceled was their non-conference game against Vanderbilt, which was scheduled for November. So like they are they are completely booked up in in weeks one, two, three, leading into that game. Uh, so like, unless they can convince Louisiana Tech to play in week zero and, you know, lead off the year with it, there is no way that they can move that game to, to be able to keep it on the schedule. I, it just, it just makes too much sense. And again, I, to me, some of this also is a little bit worrying less about the football and worrying about just getting the games played because they need to be played. Um, and, like, I don't even want to think about bowl season or bowl eligibility. Like, the idea of bowl games this year just doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, that just sounds right. really stupid to be playing bowl games if we're only playing these conference games and so on and so forth. Um, so it just makes a lot of sense to play a game where you can get a win, get some practice in, get an inferior opponent. I think it's just the smarter move. Yeah, I get the feeling that bowl game-wise, real quick, I get the feeling that maybe the major ones will be played, especially if we have a college football playoff. Still going yes, on yes, at that yes. point. But I would not be shocked to find that, you know, half of the bowl games, especially the lower tier ones, end up getting canceled because either they can't find a team that's willing to fill them um, or they just, you know, the organizers decide that there's just not enough PR, you know, goodwill for them to actually hold the game in the location that they're in. If there's no fans, there's no reason to hold a bowl game because that, so much that, of that money that is from ticket sales. Like, you, how do you, you can't, you're just, just not going to do it. Right. The bowls um, don't make enough money from TV. To, no. to make it up like the bulls themselves are actually making all their money from fans being in the seats. Agreed. Okay. Next up is West Virginia. And I was talking with, uh, with my good friend, Bart Keeler from smoking musk about this. And look, they've only got one game currently scheduled, still on the schedule and it's FCS Eastern Kentucky on September 12th. And I, I know I've seen the proposals. Oh, pit. Well, the West Virginia, this has to be a home game. And, uh, and ACC has to games, non-conference games have to be played in that state. So pit is out. Um, I've seen arguments from Marshall and that would be fun. It would be cool to see West Virginia schedule a game against Marshall. The problem with that is that Marshall doesn't have an open date, uh, that works. The one would be Pitt on September 12th, 
That was a home game. So unless Marshall wants to, and their other non-conference games are still a go. So unless Marshall wants to play a third road non-conference game to go to West Virginia, um, that doesn't seem like an option. And maybe they would. Maybe Marshall would be would love the opportunity to go to West Virginia and play West Virginia. They might. But I'm gonna I'm gonna operate under the idea of maybe not when they already have two as it is. I don't know. If it's a good payout, you could probably tempt a team right now. Like, we'll, we'll pay you if you want to come. So Marshall maybe is an option. It feels like Eastern Kentucky is just going to be the game here because yeah. I, I, it's already on the schedule. Similar situation with year two for Neil Brown. You, this team is is not picked to finish very high in the conference standings. I thought they could go to a bowl game and get to six and six at this point. I, I mean, four wins would be a huge, huge season for them right now. Um, I think... I think Eastern Kentucky is a pick here. I don't feel like super confident because I haven't seen any sort of information at all as far as what Western Virginia is leaning towards. Again, maybe Marshall is an option if they can convince Marshall to do a third non-conference game on the road and can pay them to come. I think it would be a more interesting game. But if you're just trying to get a win and some practice, similar situation here against an, uh, an inferior opponent you should be able to beat just to get a win on the schedule in what's going to be a really weird year, I think you stick with your FCS foe on September 12th. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's kind of one of those things like, you know, they'd have to get out of that contract, which like, you know, the way that things are set up right now, they couldn't use the fourth majeure clause to just get out of it and not have to pay anything. So they would have to pay something for to say, hey, Eastern Kentucky, we don't want you to come. We're going to pay you whatever the, you know, the buyout option is in that contract and convince Marshall with a big enough payout to take on that extra road game. Like, I just think that there's too much, there's too much that they would have to push through to make something like that happen, you know, at this point with the focus being just getting games, like I think any team that has a game on the schedule that would viably work with the new schedule or with the new conference, you know, schedule is going to be the one that's there just because it's the easiest one to push through. You don't have to do a bunch of wrangling. Like, you know, it may open up opportunities. Like if Marshall were to approach West Virginia to try to put that game on the schedule, then maybe, but I doubt that they were going to try to reach out to get something like that going when they have a perfectly viable game that's already on the schedule. I, I don't, I'm not worried as much about the whole like paying off FCS votes, uh, teams um, this year. I've seen a lot of people talking about this whole thing of, but if you're an FCS team, do you really want to take an FBS team to court over what they owe you? Because it's not really going to look good and no offense, like, you're kind of at the whim of the FBS and the P5 schools who are willing to put you on the schedule. If you want to take a school like that to court, there's not going to be a lot of other schools who are going to want to put you on theirs. So you're going to miss out on paydays. And it's it's not fair. It sucks. But I'm not I'm not as worried about the idea of like, oh, we got to pay you this and this kind of – I just – I think it makes sense for them to stick with Eastern Kentucky because it's already on there. I don't know. Like, But again, I agree. Marshall comes to them like, we'll do it for cheap just so we can get this game on here. I think they stick with what they have. Um, yeah. Kansas State. This is we're getting into the like. I really don't have a good feel here after uh, Western Day. Kansas State has two teams on the schedule left: Buffalo uh, on September fifth, and North Dakota, an FCS opponent, on September twelfth. I I don't have a good feeling here as to what game they're going to keep. If I'm again, I I would think you would lean toward the FBS, the the, the G5 school, because it's going to be better TV. Um, It's going to be more interesting. You can get more eyeballs on. I mean, people are going to be putting eyeballs on games anyways, just because there's going to be games going on. And if you're one of the only Power 5 schools playing a game on September 5th, even if it's against Buffalo, people are going to watch that because you're a Power 5 school. 
but I just, I don't know. Like I, I have seen both schools kind of being like us, us, pick us, pick us. Um, I don't have a good feeling here as to which way they're going to leave. I would also establish that, you know, there, Coach Kleiman has a relationship with North Dakota. They used to, he used to play against them when he was at North Dakota State. That might have a factor in what they decide to do here. I wonder if that actually plays into the idea if they convince North Dakota to reschedule the game, move it to 2025, which is next time they have an open spot for an FCS opponent. Um, that would make a lot of sense. But I, I would lean towards Buffalo because it's a better opponent. It's better. It's, it's going to be more watchable. But again, it also depends on when they decide to start conference play for Kansas State. Is is that going to be on the, the 26th or is that going to be on the 19th? If you want two weeks of wiggle room, um, that could also help determine which one you actually play. I'm going to lean towards I, – I, I predicted North Dakota State because it was an FCS team and that made a lot of sense. I might lean towards Buffalo if I had to redo my graphic today. Yeah, well – just real quick before everybody jumps on you, it is North Dakota, not North Dakota State. But yes, that's what I. That, I, yes. I think I was saying that, and then I got twisted when I said, said North, North Dakota State. Yep. And then I, but no, yes, it's but, North Dakota. But know, it's one yeah. of those things. Like I think, I think a couple of your points are kind of, I think, the most important here. Um, you know, the fact that it, you know, that pre-existing relationship uh, might help somewhat in terms of pushing it out. Um, I also don't, I don't know the the details of the contract they have with Buffalo in terms of the the whether it's a return game or not. Um, I don't actually remember that yet at this point, but, but it's also kind of one of those things, um, you know, I don't, I don't, well, yeah. So, so this is the first game I believe of that contract that they have with them. I don't remember if they have, if they have a return game or if it's just a buy game. Um, but it's also kind see, of, one of I don't see things. another game against Buffalo on that schedule unless they played them last year. They, yeah, they didn't. So, um, so it looks like that's just a buy game. Um, but, but the, you know, that North Dakota game, like you would think SCS opponent, it would be more of a pushover, but they were a playoff team last year. And so like down in the SCS, so it's not like, you know, they're going to be a pushover. And I, so I talked to Sam Herter who does FCS coverage for Athlon and they're not going to be. Okay. Well, super good this year. Okay. But okay. I mean, it's also, it's also kind of one of those things to kind of take into account. Like, I don't, I don't know that the quality of the game though is going to be that much different between Buffalo and North Dakota. Um, and so really it comes down to scheduling and, and the fact that, you know, Buffalo is probably in a good spot right now. You don't have to move anything. Both of the teams have openings that they can move stuff around if they needed to. So like, unless you really want to bring like North Dakota in early, um, like, you know, they have two good options here. I think that the best momentum or like the most likely thing is that they're just going to keep whichever game slots into where they want their non-conference game to be. And I would think that they would want the early one to give themselves more time, you know, to again, like I was talking about before, like they want the more time to kind of in case they get exposed to something or they have to you know worry about things like just like Kansas might keep theirs on, you know, week zero to have that extra time to work on things. I have a hard time imagining that Kansas State is is willingly going to cut out the time that they have. Like you want to have those games as I think as early as possible to try to get as you know back to normal as soon as you can. Yeah, all good points. Uh, again, I really don't have a good feel. The other one I don't have a good feel for because they have multiple options is Iowa State. Um, they have three non-conference games currently scheduled. September 5th against South Dakota FCS team. Uh, September 12th with Ball State, who's that team that they added after the Iowa game got canceled. And then September 19th against UNLV. Now, let me say this. Um, I believe when I did my predictions, I picked South Dakota. 
And that's for two reasons. One, the Ball State contract was wit- written with an out. And I think that out pertains to we're only going to play nine games, uh, 10 games. We go right. ahead and get rid of the Ball State game. Yep. Okay. That was, I think that was written. In. So I think Ball State's out. I think it's South Dakota and UNLV. UNLV is currently scheduled for September 19th. If you are trying to give yourself wiggle room after, before the start of conference play, that game does not work. Um, now, UNLV has some other openings. They have an opening on the 12th um, due to other non-conference games being canceled. Um, they could play week zero if they really wanted to, but they have an opening on September 12th at the moment if they wanted to try and move that game to play Iowa State. Now, this will come up when we talk about TCU, but the conversation with TCU, the potential for UNLV to play, to play TCU, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, is why I think they stick with the South Dakota game. FCS opponent, um, Matt Campbell, I don't think really cares about non-conference all that much. Sorry if he did. He beat Iowa every once in a while. Um, but I I think that game on the 5th against South Dakota makes the most sense. Um, if they're going to have the Big 12 kind of split up when they start, it would make a lot of sense to have half the conference start on the 19th and half the conference start on the 26th just to spread some games out and keep the Big 12 on TV as much as possible over the early parts of the season. I picked South Dakota um, when we put our, our graphic out, I'm going to stick with South Dakota as my pick here. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Like, I I could see UNLV trying to accommodate whatever Iowa State wants to do to try to stay on the schedule there. So, like, like I, I think the only way that they don't pick South Dakota is if UNLV makes a huge push because they want to keep their non-conference games. Because, like, you know, UNLV kind of got screwed over because two you know, they had two Pac-12 teams on their non-conference and both of them got canceled. And so they have openings. They have the ability to kind of shift around. So even if they were to pick up another game like the TCU game, um, you know, they could they could keep this one with Iowa State by moving a week a week earlier where the Ball State game was supposed to be. And so like I think it really does come down to what is Iowa State like what is Iowa State looking for this year? Are they looking for a challenge? Um, are they looking for which I don't even know how much of a challenge UNLV is supposed to be because I've heard mixed reviews on how good they're supposed to be this year, but are you looking for what should be a challenge? Um, and willing to go a little bit later, or do you keep that early slot, try to, you know, get started as soon as you possibly can and just go from there and see how you can build. And like, I don't, again, I don't know that there's a good answer, but I would kind of lean towards not changing things, like not moving games as much as possible, unless there's a, a really good reason to keep, you know, to, to move a game just to keep it. UNLV may, may make a big push. And I think it really just comes down to how important is it for Iowa state to keep that UNLV game. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be super important to them that they're probably just going to stick with the South Dakota state for the ease of it. Um, and so like that, that's what I would probably go with, but I do think this one's probably closer than any of the other ones. Um, you know, in terms of, of really like, I think Iowa state's probably the most likely to push for a change um, you know, as a team that doesn't have to push for a change. Um, I still don't think it's extremely likely, but if you had, like, if you told me that one of the teams was going to move one of their current, currently scheduled games to keep it on the schedule, I would probably say it'd be the Iowa State for the UNLV game, like if if one of them does it. Makes sense. Makes sense. So let's talk about TCU here, since I kind of I kind of mentioned them. Um, the conversation was that TCU had before the announced nine plus one was official. The TCU had a game against UNLV in Las Vegas at the new Raiders Stadium for Week Zero, ready to go if they needed it. Now my guess is that that's off, and that the only way UNLV is going to play TCU this year is 
if the UNLV is willing to come to TCU because there has to be a home game in the Big 12. Now, TCU lost the game against Cal. They lost their FCS game against Prairie View A&M. And all the reports that I have seen thus far are that the game with SMU is canceled. The game was supposed to be at SMU this year. Uh, that obviously means SMU was not willing to come to Fort Worth. Um, again, it has to be a home game. I understand that, that that Fort Worth and Dallas are very close to each other, but if it has to be a home game and SMU doesn't want to come to Fort Worth, that game's off. So UNLV could be an option if they are willing to to come to Fort Worth for a game. Again, they have currently the game against Louisiana Tech and a game at Iowa State. So they have that 12th date as an open date. And if the Iowa State game gets canceled, they have the 19th as an open date. So that is still a potential for those two teams to meet up in non-conference. I'm going to give a couple other options because I want to talk, I'm going to loop in Texas Tech here as well because I don't have, big uh, TCU and Texas Tech are two teams who just don't have an opponent. Texas Tech still has the game at UTEP on September 5th, but like we talked about when we're talking about Texas, if it, unless UTEP wants to flip that to a, a road game to Lubbock, I think that game's probably canceled. That is my bet. So I have put together some some schools that make a lot of sense for both TCU and Texas Tech to give a call to. Uh, if you look at the other teams in the state of Texas, because if it'd be good to keep one close, the one I like the most, if TCU doesn't go with UNLV, North Texas was supposed to play at Texas A&M on September 12th. That means they have an open date for a road game. Makes a lot of sense to have a team from Denton drive out to Fort Worth and play TCU. So that's option number one. Um, and again, they, that at Texas Tech also fits here. I just would TCU, I think they're in a better spot than Texas Tech is this year. And North Texas has been a solid program under Seth Luttrell. Option two, I don't like this one as much because of the date. Rice was supposed to have a game against LSU in Houston on September 19th. That game has been canceled. Now, they don't have another opening here, so that, that would have to be the 19th, which I think is too tight of a fit uh, for, for TCU or Texas Tech to do. The other one is UTEP, or I'm sorry, UTSA. UTSA had a game on September 5th at LSU that was canceled. So if you really want to look for potential fill-in teams, non-FCS, because I don't want to try and go through the FCS schedules, that's not any fun. UTSA has a canceled road game for September 5th that they need to replace. North Texas has a road game for September 12th that needs to be replaced. Obviously, UNLV is another option here because of the talks between TCU and UNLV to begin with. But any three of those options to me would all be good options as far as Texas Tech and TCU go to find their one non-conference game. Yeah, the other thing you're not you're not thinking about though um, is the fact that you know the NCAA granted that blanket waiver for everybody to play in Week Zero. So if we're still talking about Week Zero games as an actual possibility, then yeah. any of those three opponents do not have a Week Zero game currently scheduled. And no, so no, Rice doesn't have, uh, I don't think Rice does either. Texas State does. Rice does not. So that's also an option again. Rice, if you want to, you want to throw Oh, I didn't, I didn't look at Texas State. I looked at UTSA and I looked at uh, North Texas and then Rice. Texas State scheduled a game with SMU, I believe, for week zero. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't considering Texas State because honestly, I don't think that that one's going to be super likely. I, I don't know why. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't strike me as one that they're going to, going to push play an for. FCS team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, you know, like uh, it's definitely possible for any of those three to come to either of them in a week zero game. I mean, you know, TCU is already exploring a week zero game. So I think they're probably going to be the ones most open to it and would be willing to jump on it for any of those three teams. Um, 
you know, I mean, I do think that TCU is going to do whatever they have to do to get a non-conference game. Um, and, and like, those are obviously the, the easy ones. Like, I, I don't even know that though, that it makes sense for us to try to say, oh, well, you know, I think Rice is going to schedule with Texas Tech and that, and that North Texas is going to schedule with TCU or anything like that. Like, I think there's enough openings for them somewhere, but I, I am comfortable saying that one of those, like, I, I imagine that TCU and Texas Tech are both going to get a Texas team to come to them. And it's going to gonna probably be one of those three. I, I just, I have no idea what the relationship is behind them though, that they would make a decision on which one they would go to. Let me, let me just say, because TCU, my, my whole UNLV thing is because TCU and UNLV were already talking. I could see TCU going, if you'll come here, you guys need two more non-conference games. If you want to get as many games as possible, you, you probably won't have your road game at Iowa state. If you'll come to Fort worth, on the 12th or even week zero, I could see UNLV doing that. They're going to need those games. If they have True. one non-conference game because they don't play Iowa State, um, that just makes a ton of sense. So again, that's dependent on Iowa State. Iowa State may pick to keep UNLV. They may have UNLV move up the schedule because again, UNLV has an open date on this on the 12th or week zero. And UNLV could just go, let's move that game up and, and play that there. They could do that. They could do both. If they want to play Iowa State and then play TCU, um, that's fine as well. Um, so I do think UNLV is a legitimate option. North Texas just makes North Texas has been solid enough. They're a, a recognizable enough program as far as Group of Five goes at this point. It makes so much sense for TCU and North Texas right down the road in the same area. We're not just talking about Texas. Texas obviously the state of Texas is huge, but having a team down there up the road come to visit you makes a lot of sense. UTSA, again, team in the state of Texas, makes a lot of sense. And if you're Texas Tech, you could find an FCS school. I'm sure that would be really easy. Um, there's plenty of FCS schools in the state of Texas that I'm sure would be happy to schedule a game against TCU or Texas Tech. Um, but I would, uh, if it, it, uh, if I'm the Big 12, hey, if you can get a G5 school instead of an FCS school, that would be really good. Um, we could maybe get we may not get our game, the numbers that we're supposed to hit of number of games, but if we can supply better games, we might be able to negotiate for more of what we're owed than not. Now, this is speculation on my part. That's it, okay? This is just me thinking from a business side. But it just makes a lot of sense for, you know, and again, I'm not going to predict any of these. I would, if I was going to predict any of them, I would predict UNLV coming to Fort Worth because they were already talking. Um, but UNLV, North Texas, UTSA, those three, I feel like one. I feel like one of those three is going to be on either Texas Tech or TCU schedule when it's all settled. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you it, like if if you were to rank it, I think for for TCU, the most likely opponents are probably UNLV and then North Texas. Um, you know, for Texas Tech, like I think again, it's a North Texas is probably the first the first team you call. I think Rice is probably the second one. Um, you know, the only issue obviously with Rice is that their their open spot in the schedule is on September 19th. So unless they're amenable to playing in week zero, you're going to have a harder time getting them. But I do think you call them before you call UTSA. Um, Texas State, you were talking to us, potentially an option, but they I don't even actually see them as an option because right now they have 12 games scheduled. So yeah, no, that, Texas State is not an option. Um, I think Rice is less of an option. I mean, again, I don't know what some of these G5 schools are going to be willing to do to get games you know it may be important to that more important to them to have a power five school on the schedule this season than it is to worry about playing opening your season with back-to-back road games i don't know it it also makes me wonder too what the g5 schools are going to do like what the g5 conferences are going to do because i have a hard time imagining that they're gonna 
Like what's what's going to happen if if we have a G5 school that has 12 games but goes undefeated in those games and they played, you know, a couple road games against some of these Power 5 conferences? Like if they end up having a postseason, is that going to throw a rank? Like, could that, wouldn't it be absolutely insane if that ends up being how we get a G5 team into the playoff? Because they have 12 data points plus one for their conference championship game, and they just completely blast through everybody. Not saying I think it's likely it's going to happen, because I honestly, I don't think we're going to have a playoff this year anyway, just with the way everything's set up. But, um, you know, it would be absolutely ridiculous if that's the year where they actually have a chance to do it and we don't do it because of COVID. <laughs> Yeah, I, from what I've seen, G5 schools at this point are sticking with their normal number of conference games and telling everyone to schedule as many, to, to, to try and max out their non-conference games as best they can um, because they, I mean... Which makes sense financially. There's a lot of, there's a lot of money in that. Yeah, that, and that it really does. Um, so yeah, I see that rounds, that rounds everybody out. Um, we have hit the point of... We've passed our 45-minute mark. We're going into 50 minutes, so we're just going to go ahead and end it here. Uh, Andy, we will. Uh, this is this is our episode for the week. We'll be back again on Monday, you, me, and Jamie. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about in regards to the Big 12's 2020 schedule. Uh, yeah, for hopefully we'll check actually out the have oh, schedules at that point. Like, actually, know I doubt it. Are playing. I mean, it would be nice, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I get the feeling they're going to drag their feet a little bit longer. Oh, I get it would the be feeling nice if we like, knew... you can't wait too long because some of these, you know, no. ones that aren't officially canceled are going to have to be canceled. And if you know, like, I don't know, I get the feeling that some of these, some of these uh, G5 schools are going to say, look, we need to know what we're doing because if we need to go try to find another game, we can't be finding it a week before. So like, I think there's going to be some pressure there from some of the G5 schools to get P5 schools to tell them what they're doing. So. I think if you're a G5 school, you're going to take whatever they're willing to give you and you'll be happy with it. And I don't mean that to be mean. I just kind of feel like that's how things are this year because you're desperate for money and games. Uh, yep. Andy, if everybody should check out uh, the work you're doing, uh, where can they do so, man? Yeah, yeah. So uh, so I finally I finally gave up my fight with Twitter. So my, my personal account is at uh, AndyMitz12. Um, but you can also follow my, my Jayhawk account. Uh, I run the, the Rock Talk podcast. That is on Twitter at Rock Talk Pod. And of course, I write for Land Grand Gauntlet and Rock Talk Talk covering the Jayhawks. Again, you can follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T E, and the number 12, the word podcast. Follow us on Instagram for exclusive content. We just had a Facebook or an Instagram live on Monday with Brian Ralph talking about Baylor, Jared Butler coming back for them, um, kind of ranking how we see the conference going. And, and an interesting theory from him on Oklahoma State's attempt at an appeal of their postseason ban for hoops. I think you guys are going to want to check that one out. So uh, go give us a follow on Instagram for exclusive content, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D, and uh, we will talk to you guys again next week. Podcast Network.